Hi, my name is Ilya Sanchez. Subscribe to 110 Football. And we are, in fact, back. LFC 360 is back. Kind of fitting that the man that let us in was Ilya Sanchez, somebody that I think we'll talk about how much we've missed him. And Austin, I hope everyone out there, including Max Bredos and Connor Klopsis, who are joining me, had a good weekend. Friday did not start us off in the best way, but we'll talk through it with you guys. Max and Connor, how are you guys? I'm trying to stay positive. I don't know about Max. Uh, I feel good. I had a great weekend, a uh, great show on uh, Saturday night at Bank of California Stadium with the Killers. They had an encore with Lindsey Buckingham of Fleetwood Mac and Johnny Marr of the Smiths. So it was an L.A. only uh, spectacle because I don't think Lindsey Buckingham was traveling with them. Johnny Marr was the opening act, and uh, it was very good. Put a nice, uh, nice cherry on top. Yeah, I, was I know that. Now, please I, there's no way you know Connor Lindsay who Buckingham Johnny Marr is. are. Lindsey Buckingham for sure, no. Johnny Marr probably also no. Um, but Smiths, you like a Smiths fan at all, Connor? What's a Smith? Okay. What about the Killers? Well, just... Killers, yes. Killers, come on. Okay, general knowledge of all these people, maybe, but it's a bit, <laughs> right? We have to keep up. But it was bit. a great show, uh, and so it put me in a good mood. Got to go with my family and uh, get ready for two week, two game week here for LAFC. Wow. How are you guys in I the chat? Be... I miss you guys. I can't. It's my first yeah. LAFC 360 back. Yeah, hey, everybody. Connor's back. I'm glad the chat is back. I was just about to say, so Max found a way to make his weekend a good weekend despite the loss in Austin on Friday night. Hey, if you're in the chat, let us know what you found, what, what you got up to that maybe helped you have a better weekend. Welcome back to LAFC 360. And as I shout out to the chat, if you're in the chat and you have not done so already, please make sure you hit the subscribe, hit the like button, the little thumbs up. Uh, maybe even hit that bell so you get reminders when this show is. We are back. We're back for good. Mondays, 1 p.m., LAFC 360. Uh, and I think one last thing for you guys in the chat is just get involved. Uh, the more you guys talk, the more we can kind of chat with you. We're, we've changed up the show for those OGs that have been around, like Tickety Wickets. Uh, we've changed up the show a little bit, but we want to still involve the chat even more so. So the more you chat, the more Connor, Max, and I can kind of pull things out of there, and we can we can get into it. Uh, I think we've that that does with the pleasantries. Let's uh, let's now go back to Friday. No more pleasantries. Why? No more pleasantries. Why, Vince? Why do we have to go back Why? to Friday? I know they call me the uh, vibe killer. Uh, Friday, LAFC number one in the West took on number two in the West. Number one versus number three in the Supporter Shield race, and we all know what happened. Uh, LAFC got it handed to them four to one. Uh, on this show, we like to start every show with three big questions, and we're going to do it a little bit different this time. Each question, each of us are going to take the question. Now, as we ask this question in the chat, you guys can give your take on it. Uh, but for each of us, we're going to, going to give it, and the other two are going to pepper that person with thoughts and comments as they go through it. And the first question we always ask is, what happened? So we know the score was 4-1, to one, but what actually happened? And I am going to take this one. I had a chance. I watched the game uh, from a great watch party. Brooklyn Avenue Pizza Co. did it with Heath Pierce. Some of you guys in the chat were there with us, which was awesome. But I needed to rewatch the game for myself because sometimes when you watch it, I'm sure Max knows this, when you're talking through a game, you're maybe not watching the game as deeply as you should. So here is what happened. Uh, LAFC came out and actually played okay. 
but individual errors killed them. And I'll tell you exactly what they were. Jesus Davario gets turned over. Eddie Segura has to make a foul. Diego Fagundes, stunner, worldie, 1-0. Then LAFC is able to right the ship a little bit, but not able to get much push or oomph going forward. You start the second half. Steve Trundolo, I'm sure, probably sat them down and said, guys, this, this, and this. They didn't listen to any of that because from there, another individual error happens. Uh, this time, and actually got to wind the tape back a little bit farther. Uh, Chicho lets them get out a little bit too easy. They switch play. Uh, Seba Mendez, who came in at halftime for Latif Blessing, a little bit too overeager. Foul, set piece, another set piece leads to a goal. So now we're talking two set piece goals. Then a third air, uh, Eddie Segura gets caught in possession. That leads to a Yerudi goal. Now they're really just off and running. It's 3 0. And honestly, guys, that's how the game went. It was individual errors in my mind. It wasn't anything tactical. And I know Steve Trundle said the same thing, but I rewatched the game trying to find where the tactics were. The two teams, when they were just playing, were pretty even. But in terms of mistakes, LAFC made all the big ones. And in my mind, Austin capitalized on it. At the end of the day, you have that many players having bad games and that many mistakes to a team as good as Austin. And in their home building, this is what you can expect. Honestly, this is nothing, nothing more than what you could expect from what you did. And, and this is one of those things where I, I'd like to say that we've kind of straight away from, right? It's those little defensive errors that we used to see so frequently, especially in 2020, um, in a year that we would all like to forget. Um, and I think we got, I wouldn't say complacent nor uh, too ahead of ourselves. Um, and I'm not even going to say that we were due a couple defensive errors because of how good we have been um, this year. But it was just one of those... <sighs> Those those, those uh, poor moment after poor moment after poor moment in which just couldn't help you think of that 2020 season where it just happened all too frequently for whatever reason we can I don't want to get into the reasons behind why they were so frequent in 2020 but it was just you know I think it, it feels just that much worse because we're not as used to it this season. Mm-hmm. Um, just to follow up on that and you mentioned that with Steve Chirundolo as well. And he said after the game, uh, so many guys having off games, so many guys which are, which is against the grain for what's happened this season, uh, stuff that we haven't seen in 2022. To Connor's point, that we would see, you know, Jesus Maria, who's been a great story because he didn't make mistakes. Well, he made a couple here, and uh, and he didn't make a lot of mistakes last year. It just seemed like when there was one, and that's obviously the the role of a center back, it's magnified, and that's what it felt like here. Uh, Eddie Segura too, usually just clean as a whistle, making mistakes. And then it happened, and I think we've all either been involved or we've seen games like this with really good teams where they just don't click, and uh, that's a big part of it. So I, I agree with you on the tactics that they came in there. It's obviously a really important game. They were locked in. It was going to be impossible to match their emotions. So uh, you ha- you had to play a clean game, and they didn't. Uh, it's a uh, it's frustrating, but uh, I think I'm also equipped with the the belief that, you know, I watch enough MLS and this happens all over the league with frequency and you have bad games. LAFC has been able to uh, limit those kind of games, but, uh, you know, one can become two. And that's what we said also after the San Jose game. Don't let yeah. these bad habits get in there. Now there are a couple that are there, but certainly this is stuff that they can work their way through. You would hope, and, well, and I think I, I I think this stings just a little bit more for LAFC because I think it's safe to say that for Austin FC, this has mm-hmm. been their most historic game in their history thus far. Yeah. 
uh, the way their fans treated it, the way their players treated it, the way the storyline has gone all season for Austin. This was an mm-hmm. accumulation of everything that they've been working towards this mm-hmm. year. And LAFC, due to individual errors and just being a little off on the day, um, were played really right into their hands. So, well, we're, we're going to talk lip. more about it in the next. They controlled question, their emotions but... a lot better too. Yeah. Sorry about that, Vince. They controlled their old emotions. I know. Uh... Josue is saying about the Mario yellow card. There was a lot of uh, misdirected emotions where Austin had theirs all in check, and it was a big difference. Sometimes you're just not. I there. actually, I actually, every, for every one, mental hot game. Really quick, hot take, really quick for everyone in the okay. chat. That brawl in the first half, peak entertainment for me. You can say what you want about the reasoning behind it, and if you think it's unprofessional, and if you think Mario dove, if you think Urudi was in the right or the wrong. Having watched this game and seeing that happen and the positioning of the cameraman, and he was, like, zooming as if it was, like, a high school fight, it was great. Mm-hmm. It was so fun to watch. Anyway, yeah. maybe it did get out of hand, but from an entertainment value, the two top teams in the West battling out at that time before it was a blowout, right? They were really <laughs> leaving it all in the field, which I like. Well, well, so I, w- I was – in what happened, I was very dry for all these reasons we've been kind of pointing out. It's – I think – that a lot of people are talking about the occasion. And I think that's why a lot of our disappointment is. It was one versus two, and we really just didn't show up. The intensity didn't reach the level. To Max's point, the mistakes definitely are what are what dooms you when you're playing a quality side that is going to have an emotional level that's probably higher than yours no matter what you do. Um, but guys, sample size. Like, I know we've lost two games yeah. in a row, but for 25 games prior, LAFC has been the best in, in class in MLS. And now I'm seeing people saying, oh, Philly's going to run away with the sports shield. Oh, we're going to be horrible in the playoffs. I'm not saying don't worry because those are legitimate worries, but I I wouldn't say that this game definitely cements all those things. And that's why I tried to be very frank because honestly, if those mistakes don't happen, the way that game was playing out, it looked like two very even sides until until that foul and that goal that Diego Fagundes scores. And and, And, and we'll get get into this in the the following questions, but to your point, once... The one, two, three errors happen and leads to three goals, and you're down a deficit of three nil. What does that do to a team's mentality? As much as I want to sit here and say LAFC should have persevered and still played the the game they they should have played, of course, come the end of the ending of the game when you were down three nil, all due to individual errors, you're gonna the Austin's just gonna keep trying to fire at you at home in front of that stadium. I I, I don't know. I I don't know if I can argue with that. But to your point, the Twitter and social media is a small slice of the fandom. But we are on there. It's like our companion, as it is for all of you. And people were uh, kind of bent out of tape. And I was like, okay, I, we, it, this is a bad performance. But look at the standings. That's built. The sample size is very small. And LAFC are allowed to have bad days because everyone else is having bad days. Austin's had bad days. Philadelphia. Seattle's having one bad day after another. They could still make the playoffs and win this whole MLS Cup. That's the reality mm-hmm. of it. So. It, it, it was a bad day, and to this was the first bad second half they've had, right? Right. Mm-hmm. They've been incredible, and you touched on first it. First time they've been goals. outscored in the second half. That was science fiction. We've never seen that. We just all anticipate that they're going to come in and blow the doors off in the second half. But one time they didn't, because you can't do it yeah. all the time. Yeah, my one caveat is this. As a lot of you have pointed out, this happens in the playoffs. Kiss, kiss MLS Cup goodbye. You're right. Yeah. You go 3-0 down, you're, you're probably not coming back from that. However, this didn't happen in the playoffs. So good time for yep. it to happen. And two, they still have seven more games to right the ship. They are three points ahead of Philly with a game in hand. So win your game in hand, 
finish strongly over the next seven games, and then we'll see what happens in the playoffs. But let, let's let's move along because Max Bredos is going to take us through our second question, and it is what we learned. What did we learn, Max Bredos? What did we learn? Well, let's let's jump off about because you said if this happens in the playoffs, it's you know obviously a huge disappointment to what was a great season. So what do you do to prevent this from happening in the playoffs? Well, first and foremost, you finish first in the West. And you make sure all your playoff games, whether it's one, two, three, or four, are at Bank of California Stadium. And I think as we look, we'll look at the schedule. So let's we got three, we got three teams here, right, gentlemen? that are competing for the Supporter Shield. You could also look at the Western Conference and LAFC in Austin and see, uh, to me, the most important, because you don't know what's going to happen. You want to win the Supporter Shield. Mm -hmm. uh, but you got to keep Austin off your heels. Uh, if Philadelphia wins the East, there's no guarantee they're going to MLS Cup, so you could still get home field advantage. you got to worry about the West and finishing first and get that by. So if we look at the schedules, we'll start with LAFC. That was a message there for uh, producer Chris. So... <laughs> Let Look at that transition. Let me get Good. a frame. Thanks, thanks for being subtle about it, Max. I know. That's, that's what we do. Seven games for LAFC. Austin has seven. Philadelphia has six. So you have an edge over Philadelphia, obviously, with the extra game. Austin has four home games of those seven. LAFC has three. So the gap is it's six points. And you have a lot of you have a lot of uh, elbow room in this case. Mm -hmm. But um it's a it's a challenging schedule. Uh, you have the two trips to Dallas, and we saw the. I mean, you have the two trips to Texas, and we saw on the first trip to Texas, it was a struggle. The heat, whatever it is, this team uh, didn't do that well. They did well in the Nashville game, which was the other hot game in recent memory, and that was good. But you have those uh, sporting, two. Sporting was very hot, also right after yes, Nashville. Yes, that's true, and they did well. Um, you have a trip to Portland. You have a trip to Minnesota. Uh, Portland's Portland, obviously. And Minnesota, to me, looks like a legit MLS Cup threat the way they are playing. So um, you got you you the schedules say you're in good shape. Austin, I think, has the best schedule because they have seven games and four home games. But then again, they have to make up mm. six points. Philadelphia I, I mean, looks look, really good. I, but I disagree. Like this is all very competitive teams within the West. We have have left right, and a lot of them are away games, right? I I, I can't tell. Look. I know that no matter what, each game that LAFC steps into, they're going to be competitive, if not the favorites, right? I think we can say mm -hmm. that uh, in confidence. That being said, Minnesota away, Dallas away, Portland away, Nashville at home. Like, these are games that are, are going to be big, not just uh, interconference games, but just <sighs> each team is, is kind of picking up some heat when it's uh, coming down to de decision day, right? Yeah. By the way, I love Johnny. Johnny just joined us in the chat room, and he's already bringing in in four texts. Yo, we got to talk. What no. happened in Austin cannot happen again. <laughs> four different. Well, I like. Look, I, I like. I like Craig's question. He asked. You know, we're we're. He's saying we're being kind to coaches. Um. What? But what do we see? And player errors are one thing. But what do we see that Steve could have done different? And I would. My response to Craig would be like, look. When the players make errors like that, there's not much a coach can do. So I think the only thing. But I, if I will be critical, of Steve is. The thing that he can mainly control, and I think we, you guys have all been alluding to it, um, it's picking the starting 11. Uh, was yep. it time for Bale to start? Maybe not. Uh, was Latif nope. the answer in midfield? Definitely not. Uh, now, a lot of people getting on Mario and Segura, I would say they have been so good up until this point 
that you had to yeah. feel confident about that. And look, I would have loved Giorgio to start as well, but he hadn't been in the squad since August 6th. So we don't know what exactly physically is might be going on with Giorgio. He is 38, and speaking as someone that in a week's time will be 38 as well, I could understand if maybe he had a little uh, injury or something that might have been going on that they've been managing. So I, I'm not going to slam Steve for starting Mario and Segura, who are generally you can count on. Um, but yes, when they make errors like that, I just... Like, look, they came out the second half. Steve literally sat with them and said, probably said, hey, guys, let's do this and this. And then they gave up a goal within a minute. What can Steve do there? Uh, honestly, I'm, I'm being honest. And, and, I, and the people that are telling me different tactics or whatever, show me the tac tell me the tactics from that game first so we can have that conversation. Because everyone throws that tactics word around and then doesn't explain it. And when I tell you what I think, it's like, well, that was wrong. Well, clearly it was wrong. Four to one, they lost. But tell me what actual physical tactics could have been changed. And now, but again, I will go and say, I think if I'm being critical, maybe, maybe the personnel, I don't know how you guys feel about that. Yeah, I think and it's just a lack of execution. It's, uh, it's by, by the way, with the schedule, um, who was that? Oh, about some of the teams who said Minnesota and Dallas, Luis said it, Louis, Dallas, Minnesota, RSL playing for that last home game in the fourth spot. That's going to complicate things too. Uh, just to, mm -hmm. The tactic, look, there's one thing that we should talk about the tactics, and we're all waiting because when this team was assembled, we envisioned our number one front line to be Vela, Chicho, Bale. Uh, now with Brian Rodriguez at Club America, some great posting by Club America on Instagram with Brian there. And we're happy for him, and hopefully, he sees that opportunity goes to the World Cup. But it is that's the trio, and we know that they don't have a guy who can stretch the field, and that is. The dilemma. Uh, Mahala can certainly do it. Denny Buanga is probably going to be the guy long-term will do it for this season next moving forward. But that said, you have to, if you bring either one of those two guys, you have to sit one of those three. None of those guys can go play somewhere else. And that's going to be a difficult situation. You hope this one can work, but what we did learn is, or where do we go from here is, can we continue with that? I would like to see it given another shot. But we know that there's going to be a – it may not work perfectly. Well, the, the, the thing is, coming off of these games where it feels like the, wor the worst thing in the world that could have possibly happened, watching that game just soul-crushing, right? But to know that you have two guys of very high profiles that are coming in and have still yet to play for the club, you know what I mean? You can't really sit here and say that we're not making changes. There's two really good players still have yet to make their debuts for LAFC. Um, well, are you so – are you – okay, so – Connor is now jumping into his he the role he's going to take and is the third question. Connor, where do we go from here? And before you do one real quick thing, Johnny, I love I love the energy. I love that you're getting in the chat. I will say this: you wanted Steve to yell at the team. To me, that's just theatrics. I don't think yelling at the team would have changed anything. But if that's what you want to see, I will ask Steve if he could get up and have a little more energy on the sidelines. Yeah. Some Whoa. some coaches love it. There's the Antonio Contes. Uh, you know Pep will get up down a lot, but a lot of times he just sits and watches the game similar to Steve. So I think judging body language of managers is the, is past Z in the list of A to Z problems that we have here. But I, I digress. Connor, that, take us through. That may have infuriated people to see him just kind of fleshing it out. I gave me comfort because I saw him going, all right, we got to work on this. Put, add that to the list, add that to the list. We can't do this. We, I thought it was like, okay, they're clearly have the body language of a team of a club saying, this is a blip. This is a game. We're building towards this and making sure we're fine-tuned at the end. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, I mean, uh, I'm kind of with Max. I would prefer a manager that's like, guys, we went to Austin. We had a game plan. We sucked today. So we've got to move on to the next game instead of hammering in for every little problem. I'll say this. It's a little bit what the last manager did. So this change in dynamic has actually been what's been very good for them all season. So sample size. All right, Connor. Sorry. Sorry to take some of your thunder there. Please take us. Where do we go from no, here? No, take all the thunder. Yeah, where do we go from here? Look, we took a we took a look at the schedule. Next game, Houston away, RSL at home, Dallas away, and then Minnesota away. Three of those four teams are all battling for a home playoff spot. So uh, the task at hand isn't the easiest, um, but there's a lot of things that Max said we learned from this game, and and as Vince was alluding to, the the constructive criticism, right? Um, this isn't a, a previous manager anymore, where you're you're constantly looking at the the negatives, although you need to 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 learn and 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 grow from that game. But look, as I as I mentioned before, you have Bawanga and Te- is it Teo? Is it with a Teo? Teo. Teo. Okay. Yeah. Working on my Spanish, guys. Thank you. Um, coming into a coming into a squad where on paper you see that front three of Vela, Bale, and Chicho with Mahala on the bench, that's probably already one of the most lethal front three, front four um, attacks in the league. And say what you want about them not being able to produce in one game against Austin. I get it. We sucked. Vince said we sucked. Vince said that, not me, guys. Um, but on paper. This he did. This is get it one on the, of the best attacks on in in MLS period. And now you have two DP quality attackers coming into the to the mix. Someone I forget who exactly said it, but you know I think it was Omar saying with two DPs coming in, how how quickly can they come? How quickly will they get integrated within the team? At this point, I don't believe that that is too big of an issue. And I'll tell you why. One, you already have a front three plus Mahala. Who are pretty integrated with each other. Each other. Bale's still getting up to, to full sharpness. Um, mm. And then just the additions of Boanga and Teo, right? You don't need them to be fully integrated, fully starting come the playoffs. You need them to be able to come off the bench and create something out of nothing, right? You don't need them to be in 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 full swing and full starting lineup form. You just need them as similar to Bale. You need Bale to come off uh, off the bench. And score a goal in RSL like he did in RSL, right? Um, go for it, Max. I just I, I see a lot of comments here about Bale and maybe the best trio is Vela, Chicho, and Mahala, and I would agree with that. But I just don't know how Gareth Bale. It's Gareth Bale, and you tell him, hey, you're going to come here in 30 minutes, 40 minutes. He's going to want to start as we get closer to the business end of the season. So uh, that's it's it's an issue, and like you have to imagine there's conversations going. Look, I'm I'm fit, I'm ready, I want to play this. I'm Gareth Bale, so uh, this is the situation. And we all, it's a good team as is, but this is the dilemma as well, is you're incorporating players at the v- very odd time, a lot of players. And Buanga and Teo have not begun. They're not going to play Wednesday. I imagine we hope that they get to training, at least Buanga. So you're really looking at at least two, three weeks before they're really, two weeks before they're maybe a candidate and, at full uh- fitness. And Probably all three. of this is for me to really allude to the fact that every team, this is like a 30-plus a game season, guys. It's almost impossible to be perfect. And in saying that, each team throughout the course of a season, no matter how good you are, you could be one of the top teams in Europe. You have 
you have swings of your form. Uh, it dips down a little bit here and there. I'm actually a little relieved that this game happened when it did. We talked about it a little bit earlier. There's still about seven games left. If this were to happen two, three games out before playoffs, that's when you're worried. We have enough time, and I can't say that it's going to be fixed and we're going to win all our games, but we have enough time now to assess and prepare and and really have the two new DPs come in and get settled um, in preparations for playoffs, right? So Mm -hmm. if that's one positive that I could take away from it, that would be it. It's the the timing in which this game happened, right? So I'm going to kind of segue off your point um, and get us to fan questions, but by sticking with kind of what, where do we go from here? Uh, guys, just so you know, fan questions is now, now is the time. So if you have your questions, you've been asking them earlier, start putting them in the chat. We'll start going through and answering them. I'm going to take this one from Leonardo. Why did Bale look so bad? And I think that's part of where we go from here. Cause we've been talking a lot about Bale, Teo, Bawanga, and somebody that people are bringing up in the chat that we haven't talked that much about is Ilya Sanchez. And I think where do we go from here if you're the LAFC coaching staff and why did Bale look so bad is because the midfield gave you nothing. Zero service from the midfield. They they, they didn't piece three, four passes at all in the whole game. Here's where you go from here. You know that you have Ilya and hopefully, fingers crossed, knock on wood, nothing ever happens to him again. That amazing man from Spain that it just it seems to connect everything that LFC that, does. That amazing, but, that amazing trio of Sanchez, Ilya, and Kellen, right? That, I think that's, it's important that's what I was about not to say. It's the Ilya. trio. It's roles. The way those roles fit and work, the way Ilya controls games in possession and, and controls the tempo and slows down transition moments, the way Kellen covers huge swaths of ground but then has the quality to make a pass in a moment when you need an extra pass to unlock a team. And then you've got Sifu who presses so great from up front, um, he turns teams over. He makes everything difficult when a team's trying to build out and not only makes it difficult, but can then strip the ball and then get you immediately into attack. I, I, I'm going immediately to the moment in the game when Latif Blessing went, and, and as Max Bredos would say, they were three wide. You had Chicho in the middle, you had Bale out left, and you had Carlos out right, and you had Latif Blessing in about 10 yards of space. It quickly became seven yards. Then it became five. And then next thing you know, Latif does not have the ball anymore, and he didn't even make a decision. Didn't pass to a single one of those guys. Yes, he yeah. poked from behind. You would have wanted Sifu in that moment. So I think where we go from here, especially if you're the coaching staff, is guys, we got to sit back down with this midfield. And I think this is something we talked about very early in the season and then forgot about because the three of them had spent so much time together and we didn't have to break them up the way we did early in the season. And then we didn't have to think about them again. But I think they got to put a little emphasis back on that midfield and say, guys, how are you generating chances? How are you getting our, our guys out and running? Because... So those people asking about how do we integrate these DPs, attackers, man, you put them in, and if they're not doing well, you sub them out. It's harder to sub out a midfielder, harder to sub out defenders. So I think all these attackers are going to get chances to shine, and if they don't, as Steve said after after the game, it's very simple. I moved them out. But midfield is that one spot where, yes, whatever, whatever the reason, whether it's the roster build, restrictions of depth in MLS, the players available, we are... What we have in midfield is what we have, and it is much thinner than the other areas, and you cannot change it as much as you can, I think, other areas of the pitch. Uh, and Ilya Sanchez coming back in is good, not just because Ilya Sanchez is a good passer and distributor and support player, but it allows Kellen to do the same in a different position. All of a sudden, that midfield looks a lot more menacing. So it's like one hand feeds the other, and that will improve drastically. But that's why you got to really protect that group. 
And, mm-hmm. and we've been so high on how deep our squad has been, especially in the attack. We were talking about the two DPs coming in, right? Part of me wonders if there should have been other areas explored before that. Um, I'm not going to say sit here and say what's right and what's wrong. I think it's just apparent that uh, due to our attacking depth and our defensive depth at this point, I think we overlooked, as Vince was saying, that um, central midfield depth a little bit. I'm about this so a question. Craig asked, asked, when, when a pe- go ahead. Go ahead, Max. What does Gomez yeah. got? He goes, how offended are you of the six million offer for Sifu? And there's like these uh, rumors. There's some there's some validity to it. And we know one was from Brighton and they already have three Ecuadorians. And, you know, maybe they're, they're when, growing into that. But if that was an offer, then that is way low. This is a. When Chelsea is willing to pay a hundred million for Gordon from Everton, I am definitely offended, Gomez. Yeah, I'm offended is, for everyone. The... I'm a, the whole country of Ecuador. I'm offended. I will go to Ecuador and I will stand for those people. If Gordon, a, a very pale skinned English man, which I know that raises your value immediately in the Premier League, is worth a hundred million, then my man Sifu is worth at least thirty. Uh, and I don't I think know. that's his actual valuation. But double it, and then we'll start talking. Yeah, that's what um, you're gonna have to do. I, or we get the hundred percent sell on. And we'll do a loan. No, we won't do a loan. Right? Six six million dollar loan with a hundred percent sell on, so they don't get anything out of it. So yes, what do you got, Jesse's Jesse's comment, Connor subtweeting at J, JT drama. I like the addition of uh, of the word drama. And I want to go back to this qu- question from Craig because we were kind of circling good. around it. Um, Craig asked, you know, what happens if this goes wrong in Austin and we lose three in a row? row? Is this a pivotal game? And I think this goes back to Houston or Houston. Sorry. It goes back to what you were saying, Max. Like you can't, it's okay to have a bad day, but when they stack up, yes, that's when literally Houston, we have a problem. Am I right? And, and I think the emphasis on it being another away game, right? We'll learn a lot about Steve Terundolo and the, the characteristics and the mentality of this team on how they respond in Houston. Houston, for all intents and purposes, is not that great of a team this year. That being said, we can't overlook them. I don't want to be that person to be like, hey, well, it's San Jose. They're at the bottom of the table. You saw what happened in San Jose, right? Um, So not overlooking Houston and really bouncing back with a very, very strong game. We'll have Ilya back, um, which is a good thing. Um, All I'm saying is we'll learn a lot from how the Houston game plays out and how that will affect our our string of games going forward. But if it's a must win, I I don't think it's that yet because even if you lose it and the other teams win it, you're still – you still have your finger on the pulse there. You'd have to see how they – I think you can start – panicking on the weekend when they're at home yeah. uh, is it real salt lake so i mean I, i'm not diminishing mm-hmm. houston because but this is a team that still won seven away games people aren't winning away games and this is gonna be hot it's gonna be tricky and this is a team that played well over the weekend i should have got something in minnesota and they just fell apart at the former end. lafc so, player Corey baird scored Corey baird got a goal and, and uh H- hector Her- hector herrera should be healthy for this game they're saying yeah, it's going to be a big game. This is going to make or break Houston. They're going to be like, let's do, let's do it. They're going to get rallied like San Jose was, and certainly Austin and to a different never degree. Never enjoyed playing in Houston either. Of course right? not. It's not but, a fun if, place to go. But if you're in that locker room, and right now you're asking some of the questions that people are asking yourself, where people are asking, is LAFC overrated? Well, if you want to quiet those people, then yes, you have to win this game. You lose this game, and all the pressure that you've wanted to avoid, you have basically opened the door to and invited. Because now, as Max said, 
You'll still have a little bit of a cushion, but it's not really much of a cushion anymore. And your schedule still has some tough road games, even some tough home games. Um, so I, I don't think losing is the end of the world. Losing any game is not the end of the world for LAFC because they have qualified for the playoffs. But we strive but, to be better. So you're, you're inviting the pressure when you lose this game. And it's all about priorities, right? So I'd say two weeks ago, the priority would be like, hey, the points record is is close enough within reach if we continue the form that we're on we could that's go for that's it probably I, don't, I don't necessarily point it, 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 it should be. unless so, uh, unless somehow we turn it around i just don't think that's a an active goal in mind whereas maybe if those these past two games went a little bit differently it would be an active goal right then there's supporter shield okay making sure you keep trying to separate yourself from austin and, and, and philadelphia maybe that that gap closes a, a little bit more maybe supporter shield isn't the priority but i know for a fact Many, many, many of you guys hold the only priority to be MLS Cup over everything, over Supporter Shield, over records, over U.S. Open Cup, over playing well, over everything. We've clinched playoffs, so do you want to just start the B team for the the remaining games? Who cares, right? So, so again, I encourage everyone to 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 not take everything as black and white, right? There's a lot more at play here and you got you gotta strive to be successful no matter what no matter what position we are on the table no matter what year it is i get i i understand mls cup is the priority but if you guys believe that and are still mad at the way we're playing are you guys ever going to be happy hot take <laughs> uh johnny would say lafc's first priority should be finishing first place in the west um make it to the ccl if the shield doesn't matter now they do have an edge on philadelphia because they have that game in hand i don't know if we could flash mm -hmm. the austin schedule really quick because they have seven games but uh, to me you gotta win the west i mean you worry about the shield but you just want that home field and you want to make mm -hmm. sure all your playoff games there's port uh, austin wednesday they are at home to portland uh we'll see how they respond to that after an emotional high that's the kind of game you hope but, that they they take a dip yeah, all go, things we'll considered, these are all difficult games in their own right, yeah. you know. Um, so no one, I'd say, has an easy schedule going forward. And I just want to, I, I just want to be clear too that not only will this Houston game say a lot about the team's mentality, but these next string of games against Minnesota, against Dallas, although a lot of them are away games, and we're planning for a home field advantage, right? That's what we're all assuming that we will have come playoffs. These we will be assume. all tests. That's what we need. One, well. I'd like to assume. That's all I'm saying. Right. I would like to assume that would be the case. If it is or if it isn't, these will all be tests. These will all be, be games that will be very similar to playoff games. Dallas mm -hmm. away, Minnesota away, Nashville at home. These are all possible scenarios that of teams we could face in the playoffs. So hopefully you will have a team that will treat it like such um, and prepare accordingly. That, that Austin gave, the one takeaway I got was you know, it's a one-off game, but you just kind of had that feeling in your stomach, like, oh, what if we, what if we met Austin in the playoffs and they played right. like they did and we played like we did? Yeah, well, you don't want to go to Austin. There's a lot of dangerous teams in the West. That's what I'm saying. You don't want to go to Austin. You don't want to go yep. to Minnesota. You don't want to go to Dallas. You want the playoffs to run through and, Bank California. And State. we also, you don't want to play in that we first also round. learned, and I think I, I, I 
I think we learned that the West is also a lot better than I originally anticipated earlier in the mm-hmm. season, right? Um, I think there was a big enough gap between LAFC and the rest of the West, and I do truly think as the season has progressed and teams have really got into the flow of the season, Dallas, Minnesota, Nashville, all these teams that we are actually playing are a lot better than I originally assessed. You have the CONCACAF champions on the outside looking in. The West is very good. And, and yes, I think first and foremost – you got to win the West, you know, get, get, that gets you into CCL winning the West, by the way. So that satisfies two things. And then it gets you home field advantage the whole time. And then you worry about the shield. But the way I like to look at it is the way that Steve Trundle always seems to do it. When I try to trap him into talking about what their goals are, he says, look, if you win games, everything else sorts it out. So yes, if they just win games, they will be first in the West. They will probably win the supporter shield. Ultimately, that's what it is. And I think that's what we're all trying to get to. But right now, yeah. Little little panic when you lose two games in a row, and that's that's fair. That is fair. Two games in a row, and I think a third loss in a row would really set the panic in a little bit. But I would Against remind the team you again, who's bottom of the West. Yeah, and like I tweeted out on Sunday, let's not forget that over weeks, over the nine weeks uh, in which our games line up, because Philly does has played an extra game. Although Philly is on fire, guess what? They had seven wins and two losses in those in those nine weeks. Our record in those nine weeks. Seven wins and two losses. Now, Philly has gone on with the game in hand, and they've won an extra game. So that's why you got to win your games in hand. But this is not the sky is falling here. Philly has been as hot as they can. And you know what? Maybe it's a good thing for LAFC. Let them take some of the attention. Everyone's been talking too much to, about us breaking the points record, even talking about 80 points being possible. No, no. Let them talk about Philly and let us do our work in the background because there is work to do. I think to, to catch New England on the point, you have to catch the same amount of points, you'd have to win six of your last seven games. So uh, that record we're gonna is. Win uh, se- we're going to do seven. That, 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 seven uh, wins, bro. That, that record's a goner. And that's fine. Well, we're at, we're you at watch. We're going to clip this when we do 75, it. 75, yeah. It, it, hey, if it happens, Max will be very, very happy and he'll probably be calling that game on KCOP. So uh, we'll be excited for Max Bredos uh, if that happens. I got to move us along, though, guys. Great questions this week uh, on a week where, uh, you know. I'm sure we're all a little still upset until we play this game on Wednesday. But I got moving I mean, along. If anything, stoppage. you guys may have may have been more inclined to join us today to spill your heart out. Thank you, and this is why the new format is fun, guys. We actually, are, I'm, I got this chat screen right up here. I can stare right at it. I don't have to worry about anything else going on. So as involved as you guys are, that's an, as, as involved as we will be back. That's why we wanted a little bit looser show. That's why we're not quite not not in the studio and we're doing it a little bit different. But. Some things still remain the same, and one of those stoppage time, it's one of my favorite things to do because it gives these guys a chance to maybe even get outside of their LAFC bubble, but they just get to rant and rave about anything without our producers uh, getting in their ear and saying, eh, that doesn't really fit the, the rundown. And I'm going to go to the man that's making his return. Yeah, you look up there with your haircut and your shaved, shaved that grizzly beard away. Connor Klopsis, what, do what is your think? stoppage you time? Get us, get us started. Uh, what, do you got, uh, what do you got for us in your triumphant return? My stoppage time is Latif Blessing. It's not the game changer that he used to be for LAFC. Um, for mm-hmm. so long, he has not only been a fan favorite, but he even coined that term, uh, game changer. We loved it. We we, we we called him the game changer. He was that, that X factor that could come into a game and change the complexion entirely. As LAFC has grown and as the years have gone on, not only... Do I think he has um, his, his, he's hit his ceiling, one, uh, with LAFC, and two, LAFC has added other elements to their squad in which 
kind of outshine Latif um, in a way. Um, he's just not as impactful as I, I think we're all so used to him being. And in a season in which we've prided ourselves as how good all the substitutes have been, um, even some of the guys who have left the club being Musovsky and Tajuri Shradi and, you know, still a, a big core of it being um, still with us, Latif is, I think, the one weak link amongst the squad who really hasn't performed to the level in which LAFC has all season. He's yet to score a goal in a season that we've had, like, the most individual goal scores ever. Right. Um, a lot of sub-scoring goals and not one of them named Latif. And you can see it on the field. And, and look, I don't want to say that he that he's um, a bad player because he's a, he's a fan favorite. Um, I just think his time with LAFC, especially after this awesome game, it's the beginning of the end. And I think it's a, a, a direction in which we knew was coming. I can't tell you for certain that once his contract was up at the end of the year that we would renew. Um, I think this just brings a little more closure to it. I think there's more opportunities for him on a plethora of other teams. I think he's a player that is multi-use in in a lot of different ways um, for some very good teams in Major League Soccer. I just hate to say, as one of the two players who are still here from that 2018 squad, that I think his time with LAFC is done. And a lot of that, again, is due to, to other players other players and other additions outshining him. And I don't know what hasn't clicked uh, for him in these, these past couple of years, or maybe the league has just caught up to him. So unfortunately, Latif, I think this is the beginning of the end. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe to Jose's point, Latif does have some family things going on. Although Jose, I will say that the team has done everything within their power to help Latif with his family situation. There's some things that are, beyond LAFC's reach. And unfortunately for Latif, uh, he's had to deal with that. And I, I would never discount any player that has to go through personal and family situations and then go out there and try to give their best. So maybe that plays into it, but unfortunately there's not much more we can do there. So Connor, I think you're, you're saying a lot of things that a lot of fans are feeling and we all love Latif because he is such a good person, but ultimately results, results matter. They do. So, all right, Max Bredos. What is your what is your stoppage time? Where are you taking us? I like what Jesse said. I think uh, Latif worked better in a Bob system than a Dolo system, to be honest. Maybe the case. Uh, it may be the beginning of the end for Latif Blessing, but we still need him here because the midfield uh, is down to five guys that we really use with some regularity. And that's what my stoppage time is. It's protecting that midfield. Without Ilya Sanchez, if one of the top three, the starting three, are not there, it takes a dip. And that's why Latif and Mendez are so crucial to the big picture of thing for LFC to have success moving forward. You can worry about Latif at the end of the season. If you think uh, he wants to play somewhere else, or you think you can, uh, you, you can get an upgrade by all means, we can afford, we can force that. But right now you have these five midfielders. We kind of talked about it. Vince, you kind of touched on it as well about how key it is because in the attack, they have added Bale, Buwanga, Teo, obviously, Tajiri Shradi, Basovsky, and Brian Rodriguez have gone. But still, you have like six, seven guys now there that you can throw in or, or play at any moment. The same with the center backs. We had uh, the five, although Mamadou now in Spain, you still have four center backs. And then you have the three fullbacks that can compete, and you have cover for all of that. Now, the midfield can get threadbare. So what are the options? Obviously, the starting three, if you can run with them, 
for the rest of the season, great. But there's going to be suspensions. There might be injuries, knock on wood. And what do you do? Latif and Seba are going to be huge in doing that. But what other options do you have in that midfield? We see Eddie Segura. Maybe he can move up. We saw Diego Palacios play as a holding midfielder at some point. What are those I don't want to do. I don't want to do that again, Max. I, I know you do don't, again. but you've got to look at all the options Please. you have. Can, can Buwanga or Teo play at something in the midfield? Can one of those front three do it? I don't think so. But you've got to have some cover because that, I think, at the end of the day, is going to determine how successful LAFC season ends up. The mid, We have attackers for days. We have defenders for days. What happens in that group? And how can we limit situations that could take away the preferred trio from being in there? Guys, hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Bail at the six. I'm kidding. Guys, relax. Oh, my God. It's a joke. Hey, can Teo uh, play any midfield? No. He's a front runner. Look, okay, so, okay, getting a little bit. I don't want us to go too long, but they, just think of the roles that we have in midfield, right? Like we said, Ilya is the guy that stops transition. He tempo sets. He he holds the ball when they need to. He moves, sprays passes. Then you have Kellen, who covers ground and can play a pass when he needs to. And then you have Sifu, who's that most advanced midfielder. Now, all three of those guys cover ground. Can Teo cover that much ground? Maybe. I'll tell you who can't. And who won't is Carlos Vela. And I know a lot of people keep asking for it. It's not going to happen. Not in the way that they want to play. And and kind of to Connor's point even, the reason why Latif's been pushed out is because uh, Sifu's been the better version of what Latif used to do for us. That front <laughs> midfielder with the thrust that can press. Well, guess what? Latif hasn't scored any goals while Sifu's having a, a historic season for, you know, an all-time season, season. For, himself, for himself. So that's why... So when you think about when the way you configure the midfield, is there somebody that can give you that amount of uh, work rate? Because the midfield does have to work very hard. It has to cover the fullbacks. It has to cover the front three. But Wonga, I think, has the energy and the the strength to do it. But do you really want to pull him that far, far much farther away from goal? Probably not. If so you to need Max's to. Point, if you need to. If I think it's to. thinking... I think it's more thinking about what we what Max first brought up. I think you think more of bringing defenders into that setup, right? Because I don't think you're displacing Sifu. He's been playing so good at that position. I don't think anyone can play quite what Kellen does. Now, I think Ilya is one of the most important players on LAFC's team, but maybe Cheeky can play in that spot. Maybe Eddie can play in that spot, and you can kind of configure the roles a little bit. But I just I don't like pulling forwards out because Sifu... Watch what Sifu does. I don't think Vela... I don't think any of those guys could do as much off the ball running as, as Sifu. And, and maybe that's the lesson. Chiellini, maybe that's Chiellini the lesson at the six from Leonardo. Chiellini can pass Leonardo. like a six. He'll be <laughs> but He'll maybe be that's what, 30 minutes. Maybe that's we can put, what or we can put him at left that, back. Is that we we can not, not experiment, but we have other options that we may be overlooking that are at different positions because a lot of our players have multi-use or are, are multi-position uh, based, right? Um, and I think maybe that's something we overlooked. And you could just throw Latif and, and Mendez in, in the lineup and, and hope that it was for the best. Or maybe you actually have to sit and look at the entirety of the squad and see where other players fit in even better than maybe a Mendez or Latif Pleasant. Right. What's your stoppage time, Vince? Yeah, Vince, time. what's your stoppage time, Sorry, time to wrap it up. Uh, my stoppage time is related to this. Uh, LA soccer is going to be wild for the next couple of months because LAFC is pushing hard for first place in the West and that supporter shield. And I don't know if you guys missed it on, on Sunday, but Angel City FC got a 3-1 win all the way on the East Coast. If you have not, and wait till after the show's over, we're, the show is almost over, please watch Savannah McCaskill's goal 
Oh my God. Amazing. She gets Dang it you. out to the left corner of the box right near the goal line. Megs the defender and then buries it. Check out that goal. Great goal. 3-1 win. Angel City FC is one point out of a playoff spot with a game in hand. If they win their games in hand, they could be as high as first place, which is San Diego, which is a direct rival. So I'm looking towards that game in San Diego. I believe it's September 17th at that new stadium in San Diego. It's going to be a huge one for what's coming up. But keep your eyes. Look, look, Portland. L.A. is Soccer City, USA. Whoa. Don't give Whoa. me that. Don't give me that. Okay? So keep your eyes on L.A. soccer going forward. It's going to be a wild ride over the next month and a half. That's my stoppage time. Let's add some trophies for two teams. I didn't, know, I didn't know Portland was a place until they came and played LAFC. <laughs> Fair. Well, Columbus, and on that... We'll Portland, we'll see you up there uh, in, in uh, October, and Connor will come around so you can give him a, an education on your wonderful city. My sister goes to university in Portland. It's great. I'll be oh, up there okay. for a game. Yeah, if you guys Good. can all chip in, we can get Connor out to that uh, October 2nd game where I actually believe he's on some kind of security uh, footage from a prior trip that he went to Portland where he got kicked out, but we don't have time I to go to that. I have been kicked out of Providence. Bring back some donuts. But... Yeah, bring back some voodoo donuts if you can. Uh, but that's our show, guys. Fun fact. Uh, great. Fun fact. Uh, Portland Timbers blocks 110 football on Instagram. Ooh, uh-oh. It's a bad. It's a bad. I got. I got some. Be- I got some beef with Portland. Anyway, we won't get into it. Okay. That's for next episode. Yeah. So come back next episode, guys, and I'll give you the rundown. Yes, we will be back next week. Don't forget. Uh, every or sorry, we won't be back next week. Sorry, we won't be back only because it's a holiday. Okay. But oh, yeah. the show is back. So don't freak out, guys, when we're not there Monday. Enjoy your Labor Day. It's the day before my birthday, so you know I'll be enjoying it. But we will be back on the 12th to break down all things LAFC and check out all the rest of the stuff that we've got there on the 110 Football YouTube channel. we got pre and post. we got watch parties. We've got the coaches show. So uh, we'll see you guys for that. Connor, Max, thank you so much for joining us. Great show, as always. And for you guys in the chat, you make the show. This is really a lot of fun when you guys are active. And it was a good, good bunch. Uh, love to see you guys, even after a loss. So we'll catch you guys in two weeks' time. That's LAFC 360. Thank you, guys. Bye. Oh, oh my God.